podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's game week seven, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable my oh my what an interesting premier league weekend we had last week this past weekend um north london derby obviously was quite spicy newcastle just ran up an american football type scoreline and speaking of newcastle i'm joined by newcastle fan jake jackman jake we have to talk about yesterday's performance before we can go into talking about the fixtures that are going to be coming up for game week seven how, how did that feel watching Newcastle get an 8-0 win especially maybe under some of the pressure that the likes of Eddie Howe was starting to get under yeah yeah it's good uh, I don't think I don't know if Eddie Howe was any ever under any pressure um, particularly not for Newcastle fans but if, if it was I think it was external but um yeah it was a good good result I think after the Liverpool game we're at a bit of a low point, you know, the season could go either way from that point. Um, to lose three of your first four games, even though they were tricky fixtures, it was a bit disappointing, especially the manner of that defeat. But yeah, we've come back after the international break, beating Brentford in, in what was a bit of a scrappy game, and then obviously drawing in the Champions League to Milan. Uh, maybe somewhat fortuitously, but even though Milan had a lot of the ball and chances, they didn't really create anything massively clear cut. And then yesterday, you know, made some changes. Um, and yeah, got the, got the job done against Sheffield United. It was obviously a, a huge scoreline. Um, but I, you know, I think it was just one of those games where they conceded early, um, and then conceded a couple of sloppy ones with set pieces and they just sort of fell apart, which can happen at this level. Um, I don't think they're a bad team. I just think it was sort of a, uh, a wake up call for them. Um, yeah, but yeah, we, we, we could only beat what was in front of us and we did that very well. Um, and I think that's, uh, the tenth time we scored four or more goals since the start of last season. Uh, only City have done that more often. So yeah, we've obviously, obviously a team um, that you don't want to concede early against because we really can rack up that score. Um, albeit not normally to that that extent. But yeah, it was a really good performance, uh, and it capped off a really good week um, where we've moved back into the, sort of the top eight. And hopefully now with the with the kind of fixtures to continue, we can sort of really climb up that table. It definitely is now sort of a, a good time for. Newcastle to get a good run of games together, get a couple of wins. And, and as you said, it's it, at the moment with how early we are into the season, it's quite easy to climb up the table if you get sort of three or four wins in a row. Um, but let, let's talk about the, the fixtures that we have coming up this weekend. And obviously we'll dive into Newcastle a bit more when we get to their fixture, but we've got a Saturday kickoff. Finally, we've got a, a 1230 kickoff. Uh, Jake, I, I don't understand how. After the international break, they insist on a 12.30 kickoff. Then the, the week after that, there is no 12.30 kickoff. But now we're back to a 12.30 kickoff. Um, Aston Villa versus Brighton. Obviously, we saw last time out for Aston Villa playing Chelsea. Maybe not an informed Chelsea at the moment, but still Chelsea, at least by name. Um, Villa struggled maybe a little bit until that red card for Chelsea. And, and then were able to get that Ollie Watkins goal that gives them... You know, a, a, a win, I think, that they were sorely needing. Um, may, maybe in terms of just emphasizing the fact that they are one of those teams that are going to be chasing European football. I think they've done really well recently. But coming up against Brighton, 
this could be a very interesting game. We saw how well Brighton have been doing this season. They get that 3-1 win against Bournemouth after going a goal down. Matoma performing well. Um, what are you expecting from this game? Two of the teams that probably caused big, big headaches for some of the traditionally big six last season. Yeah, this should be a good game. Um, a nice way to start the weekend. Um, yeah, I thought Villa were, were, were good at the weekend. Thought they were, they sort of limited Chelsea to quite a few chances when it was, when it was 11 men. Uh, also Chelsea had the better of the game. I think Villa did, did well to sort of stick in there. And obviously Martinez played well. And they actually get the result, uh, a really good goal from Molly Watkins towards the end, um, and, and get away with three points. Villa's home form, um, away form this season has been, has been poor. They've struggled. Um, away, you know, they've had quite big defeats to Newcastle, uh, and then to Liverpool last weekend. So it, it, it was a big one for them to sort of, uh, continue, uh, improving away from home and getting a big result. So yeah, I think that was massive for them. Um, I, I still would worry about their away form going forwards, uh, cause I do think if Chelsea hadn't have had a man sent off, may, maybe it would have been a, Chelsea might have been able to get the winner or, or it would have been a draw. But yeah, Villa, Villa took, took advantage of having the extra man uh, and got three points. This is a really tricky one against Brighton though, because Brighton is so good um, against anybody. And I, I kind of think playing these sort of matches when um, they're playing against a team that is more attack-minded and, and will push forward, especially if Villa will do at home, that, that sort of plays into Brighton's hands a little bit, uh, as we saw Old Trafford um, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting game and, and I think it's a massive one for Villa. Uh, I think if they really do have those ambitions to go and push on and challenge for those Champions League places, like some of their fans and Emery have talked about, this is one they need to win. Um, not only just to sort of improve their own position, but also sort of take points off a rival. Because I think Brighton started the season really strong. Um, and yeah, they've sort of picked up a lot more points than people would have expected after the, the, the summer they had. So yeah, I think it's, it's huge for Villa to get the three points this weekend. Uh, a lot depends on what they're going to both do in the Carabao Cup. I'd assume both of them are going to rest a lot of players. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Obviously, both of them lost in Europe last week. So um, maybe they are going to have some team problems adjusting to that schedule. But yeah, it's a really difficult one to call. I, I think if it was at Brighton, I'd, I'd lean towards them. But as it's at Villa Park, I think I'm going to go. They're going to go for a 2 2 draw. And I think it's going to be a really entertaining game, but I can't split them ahead of time. So yeah, I'll, I'll go for the 2 2. But I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, and yeah, we're going to learn a lot about Aston Villa. I think, I think we already know enough about Brighton, but this is, this is one we'll learn a lot about Villa. Um, because I, I think even though they got the result of the weekend there, there were still a few troubling things in the game, especially when it was 11 v 11. Yeah, this is, this is a big one for Villa. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Carabao Cup and which is probably what influenced my score prediction. I've gone with the 1-1, so I agree with the draw, but I don't know if both teams are going to be able to rack up as many goals. I mean, for Brighton, it, it's basically a week away. And I, I know obviously Chelsea is not too far travel for them, so they'll probably head there, you know, quite close to, to the, the actual game on Wednesday, but both of them play on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. Um, Aston Villa will be hosting Everton and then hosting Brighton. So for them, two home games, maybe they can afford to rest more players than Brighton can, you know, looking at the teams that they're playing, but you know, time will tell with that one. But yeah, I think it's going to be one, one should be an interesting game. Uh, and as you said, it, it hopefully it reveals a lot more of what we can expect from Aston Villa going forward now we meant we mentioned the the north london derby at the beginning of the show arsenal get that 2-2 draw at home against spurs they will now be entertaining but i mean they'll be traveling to to bournemouth and we're gonna touch on bournemouth maybe a little bit later on in the halfway point where we discuss some of the managers that are in maybe not necessarily in directly a hot seat but in positions where the clubs might start getting itchy and looking at whether or not this is the right person to get us to achieve the goals that we need to achieve. But Bournemouth, I think they've looked okay in games, just they're not winning games at the moment. At, at what point does that luck run out in terms of, okay, you're looking impressive, but you're not getting results. And it just becomes even more difficult facing an Arsenal side who are probably going to be maybe pissed off maybe upset that they didn't win the North London derby at home and the gap to City has now opened a little bit. 
what do you expect from Bournemouth in this game? How can they counteract Arsenal and will they be successful with it? Yeah, it's a difficult one uh, for Bournemouth. It, I think they've had a really difficult start to the season. They've played a lot of the top teams. Um, and, and although, you know, the, you, you can't, you can't blame that. It, it has, you know, had a big impact on their results. So I think it, you can understand why they're in the position they are, but Iriola really does need a point, uh, need a win soon. Um, and yeah, I think this is going to be a tricky one for Arsenal. It depends a lot on their injuries. Like if Martinelli and, and Declan Rice are out this weekend, that definitely increases Bournemouth's chance of getting something. Thought they're really good against Chelsea at home in their last home game. They were really unlucky there not to, not to get the three points. Solanke had a couple of great chances in that one. So yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, Arsenal played well yesterday. I thought they were maybe somewhat lucky with both of their goals. Um, the first one obviously taking a deflection, the second one, um, a penalty. They didn't create loads of clear cut chances in open play. Um, so that was a little bit of a worry. And I think I saw a, saw a little bit on match of the day too yesterday where they're sort of quite, their attacking stats for the season are quite low at the moment. They think, they're not creating loads of big chances. They're not scoring loads of goals. Uh, and yeah, their creativity has sort of dropped off a bit from open play. Um, so if Declan Rice isn't there, it's a big downgrade to Jorginho. We saw that in the, in, for Tottenham's equaliser yesterday. Um, so yeah, I think if Declan Rice isn't there, I think I'm going to, I'm going to tip Bournemouth to get a surprise result this weekend. And I'm going to tip Bournemouth to win 2-1. Uh, but if Declan Rice is there, I think it will be a 2-1 win to Arsenal. I think it, it, he, he is that important. So yeah, it, I'm really sitting on the fence without knowing who he's going to be in the starting eleven. But yeah, I do think Bournemouth have got a massive chance. I think that Arsenal's attack is, is a bit of a concern. And they do, Arteta seems to have been, you know, playing about with this setup quite a lot this season. And they haven't quite looked as fluid as they did last season. So yeah, this is a really big test for them. I think all the pressure's on them. Bournemouth can go in it into it without any pressure and, and I do think at some point they're going to get a big result against one of the one of the top teams and, and maybe that'll be this weekend they almost deserve a result at this point in time with the way they've played but we know what happens in the Premier League there's no such thing as deserving a result you, you kind of have to just get it um I thought it was interesting him playing Ketia um and and Jesus but one of them playing out wide I don't know if it was as as successful as he would have wanted it. Um, obviously, on the other side of the field, Saka seemed to do really well against Doji. Um, well, at least for the most part of the game, I'm I, I'm I'm worried about their attacking threat. I'm worried about Saka's form away from home as well. Whether you're looking at it from an eye test or looking at the numbers, his performances seem to be coming more at the Emirates than necessarily away from home. And if he's not Sort of generating the the attacking creativity and, and 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 trying to get them going. Then it has to come from midfield with the likes of Odegaard. I don't know if this is necessarily a game that they'll be able to do that. Bournemouth seem to have bought well in central midfield. Um, probably one of the, the 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 places I thought they needed to improve on last season. They've got some players coming back from injury as well, which I think has helped the situation. I don't want to go with back-to-back 1-1 draws. But again, I'm seeing this as a 1-1 draw. I think it's going to be a frustrating day for Arsenal. And maybe it's one of those where Arteta does need to start looking at this new system he's trying to implement and whether or not, you know, to go back to what was so successful last season or can he tweak the system or as has been, you know, synonymous with the Arteta Rain at Arsenal, do they just trust the process and, and hope that eventually this is going to come right? Let's move on to Everton versus Luton. Everton finally got that win, ended up being a very impressive win, 3-1 win against Brentford. Um, Decore coming up with big goals and big moments again. I thought, um, up front, they look okay. I, I don't know what you, what, what your thoughts are on, um, Beto, but, he to me he seems clumsy with his feet, but from a physical standpoint, he seems exactly what Everton need in terms of willing to run with the ball, willing to hold it up. Obviously, quite physical as as a player in terms of being in the box, putting his head on things. But he just seems a little bit clumsy when it comes to the technical side of things with the ball at his feet, and maybe sometimes things break down when that happens. But coming up against Luton, Everton, I'm assuming will be hoping to 
make it two wins on the bounce and then start to build some sort of momentum, you know, as the season goes on. I've gone with the 2-0 Everton win. Is that too harsh? Um, I don't think so. I think Everton are going to win this game. Um, I think Luton have really struggled this year. I, I do think they're sort of set up to, to go back to the championship and sort of rebuild from there. They've made a lot of good signings for that level. Um, maybe didn't quite get the players they needed to, to, to consolidate a Premier League level, but I thought that was always going to be difficult for them. And I, and I think what they're doing is, is probably the wise thing to do. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be overly worried about them, even if they do lose this weekend. I think it's, it's kind of what's to be expected. Um, but yeah, Everton were really good at the weekend. It was a huge win. I don't think anybody expected them to go to Brentford, uh, and get the win, but, um, yeah, they played really well and, and they created a lot of chances. And I think that they've been creating a lot of chances all season. They've been quite unfortunate not to have more points on the board. And maybe this is going to be the thing that, that sort of kickstart their season for them. So yeah, I'm, I'm confident about them this weekend. Uh, Luton, they've only scored three goals. Uh, two of them have been from the penalty spot. Uh, third was a late consolation. So yeah, you can't really, you know, bank on them creating chances at Everton, even if Everton are one of the poorer teams in the league. I think even if you even if you think Everton are going to struggle, you look at them player for player compared to those three promoted clubs and you'd still think Everton have got the better team. Um, and I think that's going to show this this weekend. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they manage to get better and, and Calvert-Lewin into the same lineup. We know that Sean Dyche used to play a 4-4-2 a lot. When he is at Burnley, I'm not sure if he's going to do that at Everton just because he's the strength of that midfield with, with Onana, Decore and uh, Guy. He seems to like going with those three. Um, but it's something for him to think about because I think that Beto has become so important already and Calvert-Lewin is, is obviously is so important when he's fit so if they manage to get both of those into the same team um, I think they would struggle maybe into the top teams um, but I think in that lower half I think having those two on the pitch at the same time would probably lead to, to Everton getting a few more results so yeah I think, you can be a, I think Everton fans can be a little bit more optimistic about their season um, I do think they're they're playing They've been playing quite well without getting the results and that Brentford game could be a massive turning point. So yeah, I think I'm going to agree on the 2-0 two, two no scoreline this weekend. Yeah, and from a Luton perspective, I guess the only thing I will say is if there is, you know, ambitions and, and a hope to stay up this season, these are the type of games where they have to get something because they have to claw some of these teams back into that relegation zone and Everton will be one of those teams that you're thinking if a Luton's staying up, someone's going to have to go down from, you know, the people that were here last season. Everton would be one of those clubs, if you're Luton, that you would imagine they'll be targeting. But yeah, I think it's going to be a tall task for them at Goodison Park. Hopefully for Everton fans and for Everton players, um, it will be a better environment to play in than it has been recently. But if you're Luton, if you can stay in this game, even nil-nil at half time. I'm pretty sure the Everton fans will, will probably start to get quite annoyed and, and the Boo Boys will be out um straight away and maybe that then pushed, puts more pressure on Everton and we've seen them make mistakes in the past when that pressure gets to them. So that that's probably the avenue for success for Luton. But yeah, as, as Jake and I have predicted, should go Everton's way with a 2-0 win there. Man United got the win against Burnley last time out. Were, were you impressed by that performance? Or, you know, is it one of those we just needed to get the results? Don't worry about the performances quite yet. Um, they entertained Crystal Palace, another team who, I mean, they get that nil-nil draw with, uh, Fulham, uh, this weekend. Edward obviously, Maybe they're going to be fitness concerns for him and whether or not he's staying fit because I think he started the season quite well for them. Um, surely for Man United, it's just get points on the board. We'll worry about the performances a bit later on in, in the season. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think they played well against Burnley. Thought Burnley had a few good chances. Um, but that's been their problem all season, not taking them. And then Manchester United sort of, yeah, it was a piece of quality from Fernandez to, to get that goal. Um, but yeah, um, I wouldn't be overly concerned just yet about Manchester United's performances. As you say, getting results on the board is the important thing. Um, I think you could say probably the early part of, of, of Liverpool season, they weren't playing great and they were getting results and now the performances seem to be taking an upturn. It is, it is massively about confidence sometimes. But yeah, um, 
I'm not convinced about Manchester United getting into that top four this season, but if they are, they just need to pick up points and, and figure the performances out along the way. It's going to be a tough game for them. I think Palace are, are consistent. You know what you're going to get from them. They're going to be tough to break down. They've got players in Eze who can create moments of quality. Obviously, Edward and, and Mateta have been in good form as well this season. Um, it's a really tricky game. I always back Manchester United when they're at home, so I'd probably give them, I, I do expect them to win, but they really do, do need to, yeah, to just get the results and, and hopefully things will, will start to sort themselves out. But yeah, I think they'll win. They'll go 1 0, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be convincing at all. Yeah, and obviously, Crystal Palace, they've only got the two wins so far this season. It's kind of balanced out for them two wins, two draws, and two losses. Um, and their last two results having been that loss to Aston Villa, the 3-1 loss, and then the draw with Fulham last time out. I think last season, maybe a season before as well, Crystal Palace versions, I probably think would look at this game and, and fancy themselves to get something on the counter-attack with the likes of Zaha and, and the threat that they pose when Man United's fullbacks, if, uh, you know, inevitably push forward. I don't know if we have that version of Crystal Palace at the moment. Um if they can speed up their 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 play and maybe go a bit more direct than playing through midfield, I could see them having success against Man United. But if if it's going to be sort of a, a midfield battle, I do think, you know, the experience of Casemiro, the likes of I, I I'm assuming McTominay keeps his position maybe um in midfield. Maybe Amrabat now having you know gotten some minutes under his legs will be able to get more more involved in in a game like this i just think they've got enough experience in midfield to deal with crystal palace but if crystal palace can go along the sides direct try and move those man united defenders into you know the channels i'm thinking of you know like you, you yes johnny evans came he did well he got the assist um for fernandez's goal but I'm targeting to, to sort of play balls in behind the fullbacks that are on his side and, and drag him out into the wide areas and look to take him on one on one and try and, you know, be successful in that perspective. Even if it's a Lindelof on the other side, I'm not so confident in his defending one on one out wide. I just think Crystal Palace need to roll back the years a little bit, go more direct, play with, with, um, and they probably do get something from this game, but, yeah, I can see a 1-0 Man United win. Um, another one of those situations where, as we've been mentioning, just, just get the result, um, and, and try and figure out what this team is later on in the season. What score prediction did you go with? 1-0 Manchester United. Yeah, 1-0. It, it, it seems like a game that is going to inevitably end like that. Let's move on to your team, Newcastle. They entertained Burnley. Now, we saw what they did to uh, a promoted side on Sunday. Now, were you offended in any way with the talk of, you know, why is the Newcastle-Sheffield United game going off at 4.30, you know, opposed to the North London derby, which had the early kickoff, and then Newcastle sort of entertaining everyone with the with the attacking football that they played in that game. Did you did you feel that their time slot was justified in the end? I, I don't think the decision would have been <laughs> would have been based on uh, who they wanted to be in that slot. It probably would have been down to police more than anything. But yeah, um, I think that I think it was a you know if you if you're watching a game like that, you either want you either want the underdog to win or you want to see a lot of goals. And you know you got the latter. I think it was a I think it was worthy being on TV. You know, if if you'd, an eight 0 would have happened at three o'clock, you'd have been gutted you hadn't seen it. So yeah, I think it was it was justified to be on TV. The time slot is yeah, probably not to do with Sky or the club, probably to do with the police or some external factor. But um, yeah, um, I think it was, it, was, it was good to good to watch. Obviously, this weekend got the chance to make it three league wins in a row, which which is massive at this point of the season after three losses in a row. Um, Burnley, I think. Will be, be a tough game. I think they they gave Manchester United a game. They gave City a game. Um, they've been playing well um, in stages of matches, but they're, they're very open um, when you do win the ball back. And I think we saw yes uh, yesterday what what we can do when we've got that space to operate in. 
uh, and at home as well we're just so reliable um i can't see i can't see burnley coming to st james's park and winning they can maybe get a draw we've seen newcastle get frustrated at times um, but i don't think they'll set up in the style to, to get that draw uh, i think you're, you're more likely to see newcastle sort of laboring to a draw against the Luton who maybe set up deep um in a deep block and i just don't think burnley will do that so yeah, I think, I think I'm confident of the win this weekend. We've kept three clean sheets in a row, um, in all competitions. So that's, that's really positive. Uh, and Burnley struggled to score goals. So yeah, it does seem to be a, a good match for us to sort of just continue our good home form. And, and yeah, get a, get, get another three points on the board and, and really start to put a run together. Um, I think there was a, I think last season, the reason we, we got into that top four is when we, when we were winning games, we went on runs of, of six, seven, and eight wins in a row. So then when you had a, a couple of disappointing results, it didn't have a huge impact. Um, so hopefully we do that again this season. And yeah, this weekend is a great, is a great chance for us to, to sort of make it three in a row in the league. So yeah, I think I would say for us to win. Um, I don't think it's going to be as convincing as last weekend, but I think 2-0, 2-0 Newcastle uh, does seem to be a, a good prediction for this one. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned Bur- Burnley and their struggles in front of goal. Obviously they've, got that extra game to catch up and it's going to be um, in this game weekend where we will discuss it as the last fixture against Luton later on but they've only scored four goals they've conceded 13 as you said the Man United game in you know it, it summed up what they've been so far this season they've shown signs of being a very tidy football team um, obviously brave playing out from the back but they you know they, they seem to be able to do it Um the worry for them is in the championship, yes, you can miss a whole lot of chances and you won't necessarily get punished for it. In the Premier League, you will get punished. You know, you've got players like Fernandes who, who can produce quality moments like he did last time out and that could be their downfall. Um, for Newcastle, I think they're coming into form at a really good time. You want to come into form in these spells when you've got teams that you should be beating. And so far this season, I think Newcastle have beaten all the teams that on paper you expect them to beat. Obviously, for example, with the Liverpool game, based on the context of the game and, and Liverpool going down 10 men, you would then expect them to beat Liverpool. But before the game, you know, maybe a, a, a bullish Newcastle fan would be expecting to win that game, um, with, especially with the way Liverpool were playing at the start of the season. But on paper, Maybe not necessarily as, as, as much of a gimme. The important thing is the likes of games against Burnley, Newcastle don't seem to be having any issues. Um, their defense is ridiculously solid as it was last season. And I think that's going to be the downfall for Burnley in this one in that for a team struggling to score goals, coming up against Newcastle is probably a headache that you don't want. And then from an attacking perspective for Newcastle, hopefully they haven't used up all their goals in one game. But Anthony Gordon comes in. He was looking impressive. A player, obviously, that maybe necessarily didn't hit the ground running last season when he came in, but certainly looked really impressive. Um, he's mentioned, you know, the, the, the coaching he's been getting in terms of, uh, his shooting from outside the box. Um, and obviously he gets a goal in that fashion this time around. So yeah, it seems like a good time for Newcastle, a terrible time for Burnley to be playing them. I'm going to go 3-0 to Newcastle. I, I I think they keep on scoring a lot of goals and build the momentum going into, you know, what should be a good run of fixtures for them. I know certainly for fantasy players, a lot of people have been scrambling to get in as many Newcastle players as they can at the moment. Jake, um, we're going to go to a short break, but after this break, we're going to talk about some of the managers. I know there's Bob the Builder, Can He Fix It, sort of cartoon that plays for, for for children. But we're going to speak about certain managers and whether or not they can fix the situation that they're in and, and reach the expectations that have been placed upon them. But as I said, we will go to a short break and we will be right back. And we are back. All right, Jake, I've got a list of clubs here. Let's see how far we get. But I want to start with the team we've just spoken about in Burnley. We've mentioned their struggles in front of goal. Um, they're obviously playing a, a, a Man City light brand of football, at least attempting to, to play that way. Vincent Company, young, new manager, you know, or relatively new, um, in terms of manager years. 
what would their expectations be for this season? And do you think he would be able to deliver, you know, those expectations from what we've seen so far? Um, I think it's too early for Burnley uh, to really judge company. I think they played really well last season. Um, I think he's earned, earned the time there. I, they've made a lot of sort of hopeful signings. I sort of think they're trying to go down the sort of Brentford and Brighton route and some of them look good. Some of them don't look as, as ready for Burnley football. I think they really need time to gel. So I wouldn't be overly, you know, judging, judging of, of company yet. I think that looting game is massive for them that we'll come on and speak about later. I think they really need to get get a win there. Uh, if they get a win there, I think that's sort of the start of their season will, will look slightly different. That you know they could say that they've competed well uh, in tough games against against City, uh, Manchester United. Uh, they did well at, at Nottingham Forest away from home, which is a difficult game. Um, and yeah, I think that that there, there are reasons for them to be to be positive. Um, but yeah, they just need that one big result, uh, and, and sometimes that one result can lead to to two or three. But yeah, I think they'll give company time. I think that it's his squad. A lot of the players have come from the Belgian league, where he, he sort of first developed as a player and a coach. So I think it'd probably be the wrong t- thing to get rid of him. I think that it's, they're going to be in for a, a relegation battle. I think they'll know that by now. Um, but yeah, I think he's the right man, and and I would be confident about about him keeping them up. Uh, or at least getting them close to that aim. Um, so yeah, the, the most important thing is keeping their nerve, um, both in their playing style and with, and with them with the manager. I think if they if they do panic, it can quickly unravel. So yeah, I think they really need they've they've made the decision. They've gone with these. They want this style of football. They want these players. I think he's the right man to lead them. Yeah, it would be a very peculiar, uh, particular manager that they would have to bring in. Um, to, to suit these type of players. As you said, they're quite bespoke to Vincent Company and the way he's trying to get them to play. I don't know if Everton have as bespoke a team in terms of all of them matching what Sean Dyche likes to do, but there are a couple of players in there. You've teased the possibility of them going to 4-4-2 at some point in time. If they can keep up, um, Calvert Lewin healthy, obviously is, is a key factor there. Is he the man to keep them up? Uh, I'm assuming that's the goal for Everton. Just stay up and, and slowly try and fix things while still in the Premier League. Yeah, I think that's got to be the aim. Uh, I think until they can sort of get over their FFP issues or if their new ownership come in, uh, I think staying in the Premier League has to be the aim. Because um, if they get relegated, it would really be a disaster. And I, I think Dyche is the right man. I think, I think they've been playing well this season. They've been very unlucky not to get more results. The opening day against Fulham, they really should have won that game. Um, the, the, the game against um, Sheffield United, they'll look back on that with some regret as well. Um, I think they've, they've been creating a lot of chances and they've not been conceding that many or at least as many as you would expect from a team that, that many expect to struggle. So I think they've been playing well and that, that Brentford result, it was it was on the cards, but it, it had to come sooner rather than later. Otherwise, they would have Dyche would have been under real pressure. I think that's bought him some time. I think the game this weekend is a perfect one for him. If he wins that, uh, I think the pressure to re- will, will come massively off him um, because t- that that really strengthen uh, Everton's position in the league table. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about Dyche, but I think he's going to be around for the season. I think he's the right person. I think he knows the restrictions on the job. I think he he's got this team playing well enough I think in the big game against the bigger teams they will struggle they might take a couple of beatings but I think they'll be fine uh, and I think we saw at the weekend that, that the players are still completely buying into what he's trying to deliver so yeah I wouldn't have any worry about him um, for the short term at least there are still 96 points to play for this season Jake and I say that because Chelsea at this point in time are nine points behind top four. I would imagine top four was it was the you know the goal for Pochettino this season. Ambitions fans might be looking a bit higher than that, considering how much they spent. But I think a reasonable target would have been get top four this season. How quickly do you think Todd Bowley would be to 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 pull the trigger on getting rid of Pochettino? Um and and. Or you know, do you, do you think they should stick with him and sort of get, get give him time to get used to the five hundred new players that have come in? He's also new coming into the club. Um, it just seems like 
it was inevitably going to be a struggle at the start of the season just to get everyone playing the way he wants them to play and then they take it from there. Yeah, I, I, I worry for Poch. I think I'd be surprised if he saw the season out. I think that Chelsea have just have shot themselves in the foot in their recruitment. They've spent so much money that they're so reliant on getting back to that Champions League and it's going to take time and I don't think I don't think they're willing to give anybody that time. And I think they will, they've made two managerial appointments since taking over. Um, I mean, three, if you include the, the Lampard interim appointment, it's been exactly the same under every coach. It's not getting any better. I think with Poch, you, you at least see signs of what he's trying to do, but they just look, they still just look like a group of individuals. There's been no real progression made. Like it's, it's just not surprising to see them fail to win games anymore. You know, yesterday they seemed to have started well against Villa, but maybe this is going to be a point where they sort of get that one victory that they can, they can really say, Oh, we've beaten a good team here. And then they get a red card and they lose the match. It just seems to be, it's all mental in those players' heads at the moment. It's, it's, it's such a mental problem. Uh, and I just, the fixtures are getting harder now. Like Chelsea had a, a, a relatively kind schedule to start the season. They've got some really tricky games coming up and I think it could get worse. Uh, and yeah, I, I think Poch is, I, I think we see Bowley's already, is shown his cards. He's going to, he's not going to give managers time. He had the chance to do it with Potter and he got rid of him a lot sooner than many other people would have done. And yeah, I just don't, I just think if they're 15 points off the Champions League places by the end of next month, which is possible, maybe they'll make a change or, the pressure will just become massive. Um, so yeah, I, I think Poch is one that we might see lose his job. All right, finally, let's go to Man United with Ten Hag. As you said, not necessarily impressive against Burnley, but did get the result. He's a manager that's dealing with things on the pitch and off the pitch at the moment with you know various players and, and whether or not he still has this dressing room, I think is something that needs to start being questioned. Um, I always get worried, Jake, when all of a sudden leaks start to come out of the team dressing room. You know, all of a sudden journalists now have inside info on, on what's happening in team talks or in training or, you know, which, which favorites the manager has and stuff like that. That usually starts to put the writing on the wall for a manager. Is he able to wrestle this team back under his control and, and sort of guide them to, again, a team that's probably aiming for top four? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a difficult one, I think, for, for Ten Hag. Um, he, he has, he has, um, inherited a lot of problems, some of which were previous to, to him taking the job and some that, uh, have arisen since. But I just, when you watch Manchester United, you're just so uninspired by what you see that just, at least when you watch, you know, your Liverpools, your Brightons, Newcastle, um, City, Arsenal, Tottenham, you sort of see a game plan. You see the improvement from game to game. You sort of see the in-game changes that, that, that do things. Uh, not some of those, you know, those teams aren't perfect and those managers aren't perfect. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but at least you can see what they're trying to do with Ten Hag. It just, yeah, so they were, they were promised this, this Ajax style of football. Um, and it just hasn't quite happened. I think last season, they had that really good form, um, just after the, uh, World Cup where Rashford was just on fire, but he seems to have dropped off a bit. He doesn't even seem to be hitting the target much or get dropped away much this season. I think Fernandez is, is playing well and Hoyland looks to be an improvement, but yeah, Casemiro, the form he showed last season, that sort of dropped off. Um, obviously the issues they've got, um, with Sancho and Anthony and Greenwood haven't, haven't helped. I don't know if he's managed the Sancho um, situation quite the correct way, although you don't really know what's going on until you're in that situation. Um, but yeah, it just seems like Manchester United, they get managers since Sir Alex, they, they have these couple of, they have one good season or a year and a half, then everything just comes back around and, you know, without sounding all Gary Neville, it does, does seem to stem from the top. Um, but yeah, I just, I struggle to see them finishing the top four this season and, Ten Hag is sort of losing some of the fans already in, in, in some of the comments he makes and, and the way they play. So 
yeah, he's one. I don't think he'll get sacked during the season, but I'd be surprised if he's Manchester United manager this time next year. I just think, I just think it's not going to be a good season for them. Definitely in one of the hottest seats in the Premier League at the moment. Um, let's move on to the rest of the fixtures for this game. We, we've got West Ham versus Sheffield United. West Ham had that game against Liverpool on Sunday. Obviously, um, they put up a fight in the first half, at, uh, you know, late in, in the first half, but I always thought Liverpool looked quite comfortable in that game. It's two losses on the bounce now for, for West Ham, but I mean, if it's losses to Man City and Liverpool, I don't think it's something that you can lose confidence on, you know, looking at what those teams have done in recent history. But coming up against Sheffield United, I think a, a, a wounded Sheffield United is, is a great opportunity to just bounce back into form. They were playing well, I thought, in terms of getting results um, and, and getting a lot of goals in recent weeks before they hit that speed bump with Man City and then obviously Liverpool as well. Do West Ham just get back on that track and, and, and we see the likes of James Ward-Prowse and Bowen continuing to play well? Yeah, West Ham have started the season really well. Um, I think they've surprised um, a lot of people in the way they've been playing. I think Moyes has just got them sort of back closer to what they were a couple of seasons ago before you know their drop-off last year. Uh, and it sort of shows the value of, of sticking with the manager. Um, yeah, they've played really well against City, um, played, played well against Liverpool, all things considered. Uh, it's tough to go to Anfield and I thought they did quite well. Um, obviously, that really big win at home against Chelsea was massive for them. So, uh, yeah, I'd uh, I'd feel confident they'll win this weekend. It's going to be really tough for Sheffield United after losing eight 0 You know, how do you bounce from back from that? It's not going to be instant. And yeah, it's not really the game they'd have wanted. They probably would have wanted to to have an easier game where they'd have a a better chance of winning. Um, that being said, I don't. It, if Sheffield United are a little bit more defensive-minded and set up in a deeper block, I'm not sure if West Ham can deal with that. They seem to thrive when they get space on the counter-attack. And Sheffield United, if they set up like they did against Newcastle, they're playing into to West Ham's strength. So hopefully they, they sort of temper their temper their style a little bit. And if they do that, maybe they've got a chance of frustrating West Ham and nicking something. They did still create a few chances yesterday, even if they, you know, lost eight nil. They did have a few chances. They started the game well. It's really important for them to, to, to keep it at nil-nil for as long as possible uh, and try and nick something. So, yeah, I think I'd go for a West Ham win. Probably say 2-0. But, um, yeah, I think it's got the potential uh, of being a difficult one despite Sheffield United getting, getting whacked this weekend if, if they do set up deep. Because uh, I don't think West Ham, are, that, that really wouldn't suit West Ham. But I think I'll go 2-0 West Ham. Yeah, look, Sheffield United have done well to sort of score at least one goal in 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 the get you know in each of the games that they've played this well except for the first game. But I think they've got a goal in them in this one. I've I've gone two one to West Ham. I think West Ham end up winning the game. As you said, they've started the season well. But Sheffield United started the game against Newcastle quite well. Had maybe a few half chances where if they score, I don't know if the end result is you know, too different from what we saw on the week because I, I just think Newcastle were primed and, and looked very good in that game. But I do think Sheffield United would have been a bit disappointed that they didn't capitalize on the chances they got early on when they had a chance to. But yeah, I, I think I think they get a goal in this one. But West Ham see out the game 2-1. Let's move on to Wolves versus Man City. Obviously, the last team anyone wants to be playing at the moment is Man City. You're starting to hear those murmurs, Jake. You know when a team starts the season well. Ooh, can they beat the, un you know, can they go unbeaten the whole season? Personally, I've always said, can we get to like Feb before we start these nonsense talks of going undefeated? It's ridiculously hard to do it. Only one team has done it. And there's a reason for that. It's insanely hard to do it. Talk to me in February whether or not this team can go and win or at least not lose for the entire season. But you'd imagine that this Wolves game isn't isn't one that they would be losing that undefeated record. For Wolves, yeah, maybe a little bit disappointed to not win against Luton, but considering, you know, um, 
if I'm not mistaken, that was the game when they got the red card. Um, yeah, um, Bellegard got that red card when sort of he was in a figure four leg lock and he just kicked hard at the guy. Um, I like how Neto is playing at the moment. I'm, uh, I think he could maybe cause some issues for City in this one, but I, I think City are going to be too strong. I've gone three nil to do to Man City. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. It's it is way too early to um to to think about West Ham. Uh, no, Manchester City even they're going the season unbeaten. Uh, they've only played a few games, uh, and I think even in those games there have been some vulnerabilities. Um, that you can sort of see. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's too early for that. But obviously, they start the season perfectly. Uh, you still think that there's a lot more to come from them, which is a worrying sign. They've already got a, a lead at the top of the table. Um, so yeah, I'd, uh, I'd I'd be a little bit concerned about that if I was any of the other teams. But I think every other, I think everybody sort of expected them to sort of win quite easily anyway this year. Um, and yeah, I think that will come to pass. But yeah, I think. Um, I think it's going to be quite a, quite a routine one for them. Be interesting to see what they do in the Carabao Cup. Obviously, they're, they're playing Newcastle. So we've got a difficult game there, but I don't know how much City are going to rotate there uh, and how much Newcastle will. So that'll be interesting to see if they do rotate. I'd expect both teams to fully rotate and then sort of go back to this league game. But City, with their start, have got the, the luxury of maybe targeting that Carabao Cup game uh, and resting game players for the, the Wolves game. Rodri being out is, is a, it's a big miss for them. He's, he's so important. Calvin Phillips obviously hasn't really got going yet. Um, hasn't really been given many opportunities. It's just a big chance for him over the next three games to sort of show that he can play in this team. Um, I guess that's one vulnerability that Wolves can maybe exploit. I think Wolves have been quite good in the midfield this season. It's probably been one of their strongest areas. But yeah, they just, they just, yeah, they're going to be down there struggling. I think they've probably got too much to, to go down. Um, purely because of what we said about some of those really, uh, those promoted teams. But yeah, it's a tricky one for them. I think City will win comfortably. 2-0 City, I think. I don't think they're going to run away with it, especially the Champions League midweek as well and the Carabao Cup. I think they might just sort of go through the motions here, go 2-0 up and, and maybe take the opportunity to, to rest a couple of players ahead of that Champions League game. But yeah, I think uh, City will win. All right, let's move on to what is arguably the game of the weekend, certainly for neutrals, I'd imagine. Tottenham versus Liverpool. Two tough games for Tottenham, unfortunately for them. Come up against Liverpool, having had that North London derby as well. In terms of Carabao Cup action, obviously Liverpool have Leicester City. Um, I think Liverpool's game is at home. Um, Spurs obviously got knocked out of the the Carabao Cup last time out against Fulham uh, in in the penalty shootout. So they will be well-rested going into this one. Does that sway things a little bit for you, knowing Spurs will have at least the whole week to prepare for this game? Um, I don't know how heavy Liverpool will rotate against Leicester. You would imagine that it will be a a healthy dose of rotation. But even in the, the Europa League, we saw Salah coming on off the bench, you know, for Liverpool in that game. So Klopp does weird things in these competitions where you think he's just going to completely wrap his stars in cotton wool. Sometimes those players get way more minutes than you would expect. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if some Liverpool players are coming into this game having had way too many minutes against Leicester City. Yes, it's, a lot depends on that game. Uh, because you think that Tottenham, are, the way they play, the energy they've got in attack... If, if Liverpool don't rotate, that, that maybe they'll come short. But Liverpool used to play in two, uh, three games in a week. It's not an issue for them. Um, the fact this is away from home, uh, for Liverpool, I think does lean me to think Tottenham have got a good chance of getting something. You know, the, what we've got previously of Newcastle, um, the game at Newcastle where Liverpool sort of did struggle in that game. I'd expect a similar game here. Um, even though Liverpool got the points that day. They didn't play extri- they didn't play that well. And if they give up the chances they did to Newcastle, you'd expect the likes of Son and, and Madison and, and um those two especially to take them. So yeah, it, it, I think that's uh, the worry is it's it's away from home. I think I'm gonna go for for a repeat on the, the North London derby. I think it's gonna be two two. I think Tottenham are gonna play positive, but they're gonna give up chances and Liverpool have got one of the best attacks in the league. Um it's, you know, everybody seems to be hitting form at the moment. Darwin is getting goals. 
Diaz looks good. Jota seems to be coming off the bench or starting and getting goals. Salah is Salah, you know, he's, he's so consistent. But I just can't see Liverpool shutting Spurs out either. You know, they do seem to keep giving up goals. Um, whether that be to Wolves or, or this weekend against West Ham and Tottenham are, are creating some chances that, yeah, I can see both teams scoring. I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, I'll go for a, for a 2-2. Um, and I think, I think both teams will probably be relatively happy with that. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a high scoring game. I'm, I'm assuming as well with the attacking presence that both these teams have at the moment. It's a game that I'm going to be going to. So I don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, getting it on the TV. It's, it's the only game at 5.30 on Saturday. It's on Sky Sports. But if you guys want to link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield, this podcast is presented by EPRindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity. It hides your IP address and shields your online data from third parties. You guys will be able to change your locations, avoid geoblocks, and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. If you use the coupon code EPL25, you'll get 25% off of your router or the software VPN, which downloads straight onto your devices. Um, as I said, yeah, I'm going to the game. I'm looking forward to an interesting game um, with lots of attacking creativity. Both these teams are good going forward. Both these teams are suspect defensively. I don't think Liverpool have had a settled enough back four this season to be able to get into any form of rhythm. The formation still leaks goals, in my opinion, with Trent playing as that, you know, inverted six or false fullback, whatever you want to call it, that box midfield that Liverpool are playing at the moment. Um, I've gone 3-2 to Liverpool just because I think their attack is slightly better than Tottenham's. Obviously, Tottenham will be sweating over James Madison and whether or not he's going to be fit for that game, I think could be quite pivotal. We've seen how well him and Son have started linking up with Son playing up top. But yeah, I've gone three to Liverpool. I think it's going to be a game full of goals. Um, let's move on to Nottingham Forest versus Brentford. There's a player that had, had been full of goals in Owani. Um, not necessarily had goals in the last three games, but he has had two assists. So his goal contributions are still quite high. Coming up against a Brentford side that will be licking their wounds after that Everton result. Were you surprised with how, I, I thought how ineffective Mbwemo was in this game. He sort of seemed to play really, really wide, wasn't as close to goal as I would have liked him to be. And it, it just seemed not to work out well for him and Brentford in that game. Everton, maybe, you know, you credit them for the, for the game plan they went in with. Nottingham Forest probably are going to allow Brentford to have the ball. And we know Brentford look a lot more dangerous on the counter-attack than necessarily if they have to break a team down. I think Nottingham Forest go and win this 2-1, Jake. I have a feeling they're going to be really, really good at home again this season. And this will be another game where it's it's a, it's vital three points for them and Owani gets the brace. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a really tricky couple of months for Brentford now. Without Ivan Tony, but also Rico Henry, I think you saw the the downgrade they've got in that left back spot. Now he was so important to them energy wise um, in both halves of the pitch, and yeah, to miss two key players when you're Brentford it is is a huge blow. Um, so yeah, I think I think I would agree with that scoreline. I think Forest are gonna gonna perform well. They were they were somewhat unlucky in the game against Burnley. They create a lot of chances. Hudson Doyle looked really bright. Obviously, Aaron Alney and Morgan Gibbs White are two class players, um, in good form as well. And yeah, it's their home form that's going to keep them up, I think. And I'd expect them to, to beat Brentford. I think, yeah, Brentford is going to be a, a really testing few months for them. Um, I don't think they're any chance of going down, but I don't think they're going to get that close to the European spots either. The competition up there is so much. And when you're missing, Two key players, yeah, it's really difficult to contend with. Um, and yeah, I'd expect Forrest to sort of relatively comfortably stay up. So yeah, I think, I think a 2-1 scoreline is, is a good one this weekend. All right, let's move on to a London derby, Fulham versus Chelsea. Leno has been playing really well this season. He's kept Fulham in a lot of games. We've seen the struggles that Chelsea have had up front 
is this a banana skin game for Chelsea? I mean, they've, they've not, they're not playing well at the moment, Jake. And obviously, I mentioned Leno seems to be playing really well, well at the moment. It's just whether or not Fulham can get enough goals to sort of help out the excellent work that Leno's doing at the moment. Um, I don't know if Vinicius is that dude. Um, to, to, to go and fire in the 12, 13, 14 goals that they need this season. It, it might have to come, you know, in the sense of goals by committee where they share the goals around and, and, and that's the route that they go with. But can Fulham at home be quietly optimistic heading into this game, seeing the Chelsea that we've seen this season? Yeah, they definitely can. I think this is a must win game for, for Chelsea. They really need to get three points on the board. If they do have ambitions of getting back into that top four, um, they can't leave it much longer. The gap's going to get too big. Um, and then it just becomes a mental issue for the squad at that point, like we saw last year. Um, so it's a massive one for them. Fulham, they just seem to be consistently picking up points. There's no thrills about them. They're not a, they're not a great team. They're not a bad team. They're just pretty, pretty average. Uh, I think when they got Gel Polinia, they, they are a lot better. And when, when he's out, they do seem to give up a lot of chances. So if he's available as he should be this weekend, be difficult. Chelsea, they've created a lot. They have created chances this year, but Jackson and Sterling have both sort of misfired apart from one game. So yeah, um, I kind of expect, I think I wanted to have Chelsea to win. I think it's going to be a 1-0. I think we'll see Leno play well, make some chances. I think we'll see Chelsea be nervy at the back, but I think that ultimately they'll get the three points. Um, I think they're, I think they surely can't go on too much longer. I think Pochettino, with, with the games ahead of them, this, you know, after they play, um, after they play film, they've got a really difficult run that you'd, uh, you know, sort of back them to get too many points from in their current form. They got Burnley afterwards, which, which is sort of the, uh, another winnable game, but then they've got Arsenal, Brentford, Tottenham, Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Manchester United. That run is so difficult. They need to, they need to get the six points here against, against Fulham and Burnley. Two tricky away games. Both teams will, Sort of fancy their chances to to get someone from Chelsea, but I think Chelsea will have enough this weekend. I think they will get the win. I think it will be one nil. It's not going to be convincing. It's not going to be great to watch, but they're going to get three points, and maybe then Pochettino's got something to to build on. We talk about getting wins, you know, in a good run of of games in terms of fixture difficulty. This was meant to be Chelsea's good spell of fixtures, and they've they've not done anything with it. Um, they obviously lost 3-1 to West Ham. They had that 3-0 win against Luton where you think maybe they're starting to click. Lose 1-0 to Nottingham Forest, the 0-0 draw against Bournemouth, and then the 1-0 loss to Aston Villa, obviously, um, down to 10 men. Yeah, they've, they've not done anything with this run. I don't think they do anything in this game. I've gone 1-0 to Fulham. I think the woes continue for Chelsea, and it then becomes a serious conversation. We know Todd Bowley can be quick on the trigger, and, and it starts to then get quite worrying for Pochettino. But let's move on to the last game of the game week. It's obviously a double header for, for these two teams. It's Luton versus Burnley. They would have played this weekend and, and going by your score predictions, um, Burnley would have lost 2-0 to Newcastle and Luton would have obviously lost 2-0 to Everton. Can these sides sort of one up each other or, you know, is it, end, does it end up being a stalemate? You would imagine that both of them are thinking we have to win this game. We can't afford a draw. Um, does that then allow for a more exciting game, a more aggressive game, a more positive game where we start seeing goals going in for teams that haven't necessarily scored a lot of goals this season? It might be that, that that's what happens. I, I think both teams will score. I think it's going to be quite a... It's going to be an interesting watch because I think you're going to learn a lot about both teams and and whether they will be able to stay up. Both teams really need to win. Um, I think both, both managers will know that. Um, Luton having the home advantage is, is important, but then you'd probably say Burnley were the best team last season in the championship, so you'd sort of back them for, to be the ones that, that should be the favourites for this game. Um, I think Burnley will have enough. I think it's going to be 2 1 to Burnley. I think they just slightly, they just create slightly more chances and against a, a slightly worse defence where they've got a bit more time. I think they'll take a couple. Yeah, I think I'm going to tip Burnley to win 2-1. Uh, it will be a hammered blow to Luton. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's got to... I, I just think Burnley are a better team, so I'll back them. 
but yeah, it is a massive game. And if it, either one of these teams lose, it, it could potentially have a yeah, huge, hugely damaging impacts for their confidence. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean heavily on what happened last season um, with regards to these teams. I've gone 3-1 Burnley. Um, this is probably going to be one of the better games for Burnley this season. Not having the pressure of playing at home. Um, I think Luton are going to be too aggressive for their own good in this game and Burnley are going to be able to pass around them and get a couple of goals there. So I've gone 3-1 to Burnley. Jake, that is going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Uh, nothing, nothing in particular. Just check out EPL Index where I write some stuff. Um, not done a great deal recently, but we'll do in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, check out the, the EPL Roundtable podcast as well when it is out and about. I don't think it's as frequent as it, as it was, but yeah, it's always worth listening when it does come out. Definitely. Uh, guys, from my end, as, as Jake has mentioned, I'm just going to echo, go and check out EPL Index website. There's post-match reviews, previews of games, player performances, you know, some of the hot topics that are being discussed in football at the moment. Go and also check out the daily podcast show. It's the two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. And then Jake mentioned the EPL roundtable when it comes out where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviews and previews of the happenings around the EPL. Go and follow the Twitter page at a tad predictable. Go and follow at EPL index on Twitter. Subscribe to the EPL index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. If you feel so inclined, that stuff really does help us out. I've been Tadio Shinakira. You can find me on Twitter at tad predicts. Huge. Thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John empire SA on Twitter. Uh, Jody, she's at Spursy141 on Twitter. They do our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. If you're at the Spurs game and you see me, do come and say hi. Um, he's been Jake Jackman at Jake Jackman on Twitter with two N's at the end. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.